Well, I'm not a crook. If you mention Richard Nixon, uh, Watergate immediately comes to mind, along with Tricky Dick, liar to the American people, burglars, impeachment, resignation, disgrace. Now, I'm not here to apologize for Richard Nixon or to engage in some kind of revisionist history, but politics, like so many things, can be pretty gray. Nixon, as it turns out, also did some really good things that should be revisited. And I'm not talking about opening China. I'm talking about the environment. In January 1970, Nixon delivered his annual State of the Union address. Here are a few excerpts. In the next 10 years, we shall increase our wealth by 50%. The profound question is, does this mean we will be 50% richer in a real sense, 50% better off, 50% happier, or does it mean that in the year 1980, the president standing in this place will look back on a decade in which 70% of our people lived in metropolitan areas, choked by traffic, suffocated by smog, poisoned by water, deafened by noise, and terrorized by crime. The great question of the 70s is, shall we surrender to our surroundings? Or shall we make our peace with nature and begin to make reparations for the damage we have done to our air, to our land, and to our water? Restoring nature to its natural state is a cause beyond party and beyond factions. It has become a common cause of all the people of this country. Clean air, clean water, open spaces, these should once again be the birthright of every American. Through our years of past carelessness, we incurred a debt to nature, and now that debt is being called. Six months later, President Nixon signed into existence the Environmental Protection Agency, and not long after that, he ordered the creation of the Clean Air Act. And one way or another, year after year, through countless rewrites and edits and changes, through multiple attempts to defang the EPA and strip the Clean Water Act of its authority to do what Nixon said in his speech, restoring nature to its natural state has become a common cause of all the people of the country. Clean air, clean water, open spaces, these should be the birthright of every American. But Nixon did more than that. In 1972, he signed into law the Noise Control Act, which authorized the EPA to create noise emission regulations based on the noise reduction capabilities of current technologies. Over time, much of the enforcement shifted from the federal government to the states, and while the law has, like so many environmentally centered laws, largely been defanged in favor of industry, it still lives and still drives noise reduction based on existing technologies, so that we can hear things like this. For example, incentives to drive consumers to buy electric instead of gas-powered devices, such as snowblowers, lawnmowers, leaf blowers, those kinds of things. Advocates like Quiet Parks International work with the national park system to reduce human noise in and around the parks, including the elimination of overflights. And wildlife sound recordists like Gordon Hempton, Bernie Krause, Jared Blake, Chris Watson, and others 
share what they capture to help educate the public about what could be lost if noise abatement isn't given the priority it deserves. Noise is insidious. It creeps up on us, and before we know it, it becomes a blind spot, something we no longer hear. But others do, and the impact is ugly. For example, different species, birds, frogs, insects, mammals, typically sing or call within a specific frequency band and at specific times, something that sound recordist Bernie Krause calls the niche hypothesis. As a result, different species don't interfere with each other when they vocalize. They're each free to use their selected frequency band to call for mates, warn others about the approach of predators, and so on. So when noise intrudes that falls within the same band, bad things happen. The critters that use that particular niche can no longer separate the signal from the noise. And the result can be lethal and on a huge scale. Well, with that in mind, I think it's time for a new Environmental Protection Act. Not to protect the environment of the natural world, but an act to protect the environment of the digital world. Or more specifically, to protect us from the wildness of the digital world. According to data scientists at Google, the human species, which came into existence about a quarter of a million years ago, had generated a total of five exabytes of data by the end of 2003. That's a five followed by 18 zeros. That's a lot of data. Except it's not, because today, in our world of always connected, fully mobile, application-centric, broadband-rich, anytime, anywhere access, we generate five exabytes of data every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes. And where does all that data come from? Well, a lot of it comes from us. Every time we engage with a system or a service, every time we activate a mobile app, every time we post on social media, every time we search for something or buy something or like something or write a review of something or use a credit card to buy something, we generate data. That data is collected, manipulated, analyzed, squeezed to generate insight, and then turned around and used to bombard us with endless advertising, sometimes annoying marketing and political messages, and sometimes damaging and dangerous disinformation and fake news that misleads and divides. Sometimes these messages come from nation-states. Sometimes they come from paranoid internal forces looking to weaken what they perceive as a domestic enemy. It's toxic. When these information-based attacks are channeled through the artificially amplified echo chamber of social media, they go from being annoying to being scary for a lot of us an uber boogeyman that appears to be a lot bigger and more threatening than it actually is. But the old adage applies. Perception is reality. Think about the scene from The Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, an ordinary man with a loud megaphone. Another name for that? A bully. As I pointed out in my book, The Nation We Knew, this behavior is analogous to someone tossing firecrackers into a crowd from the roof of a tall building. It's a cowardly act, the hallmark of bullies everywhere. But it's also noise. Noise that distracts us from doing important things, things that matter, like community building, collaborative advancement, making differences in healthcare and education and business and government, deliberately looking for similarities that bind us rather than differences that push us apart. It's just like Bernie Krause's niche hypothesis. We want to focus on important things, but when those things are overwhelmed by noise, 
We can't focus. We get distracted. We start to doubt. We get scared. And we stop doing the important things. And that, that is tragic. So maybe it's time. In the same way that we acted to protect the environment, to, as President Nixon said, make our peace with nature, perhaps it's time to make peace with the digital environment, to begin to make reparations for the damage we've done to ourselves. I propose that we adopt a digital environment protection agency and a clean digital services act and a digital noise abatement initiative. It wouldn't be difficult, for example, A big part of the EPA effort is individual, not government or corporate-driven. Based on what I've learned about things that can make a difference, I choose to, for example, limit my use of plastic containers. I choose to leave a corner of my yard wild to provide a place for local plants to grow so that they'll attract pollinators. I choose to buy locally sourced meat and produce whenever I can. But I also make choices on the digital side of my life that are just as important. I choose to limit, in my case, severely limit, my use of social media. I choose to be skeptical of facts I confront that don't pass the sniff test. And I choose to do my own research about topics that I don't fully understand because I want to fully understand them. So clearly, we each have an individual role to play in exercising our better nature. But what's government's role? In my mind, it's appropriate, reasonable, effective regulation. Regulation means protection, protection of consumers against those who would overcharge, deceive, make unsafe, or otherwise damage the public trust. We already regulate banking, pharmaceuticals, air travel, smoking, motor vehicle safety, alcohol, aviation, and a host of other things, including environmental noise. Now, we need a law to regulate digital noise. Any arguments? I didn't think so. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.